in your name. Amen. Amen. You all may be seated. That's just a great song, isn't it? God's a miracle worker. Doesn't stop. He's not, I just like what Dusty said, he's not done. He's still working, working here, working in your life, working in your family, whatever you're going through, he's still, he's still working. Well, hey, do me a favor, open your Bibles, turn on a Bible, but get to the book of James, the book of James. And while you're turning there, I just want to say thank you to Dusty, to Tony Spranger for preaching while I was gone. It's just always comforting to know that when, I, um, when I'm not here, that we have competent men getting into the pulpit, preaching the word, being faithful to it. And so it was just good to, to watch online, listen while we're driving in the car and and um, worship was really good. I want to, you know, um, I want to say thank you. You know, I, I made a comment to Paula that sometimes when you listen to churches worship online, unless you are like a awesome, like got everything perfect, worship is just, it sounds good. But a lot of times when you listen to worship online, it's just kind of like, huh, it's okay. It, it's just, it just, it's hard. Okay. Well, last Sunday when we were listening to the worship, I was just like, it's actually sounding really good. I'm like, it was clear. It was just, I'm like, you know, you could hear the voices. And, and I was just like, wow, that was just. And so I came back today and I was just saying to Roger and to Dusty, I said, guys, thank you for just doing great on, on getting the sound sounding so good. And then Roger bends me over. And he's like, I wasn't up here last week. I'm like, well, who was? He's like, because I was like, whoever it was. And he's like, Jeremiah White was up here last week. And Jeremiah has been learning. And I want to say thank you to Jeremiah for learning and, and being willing to step into that role. And, and worship sounded good because we have some competent guys up there doing that new sound equipment, which we've been able to purchase because of you guys giving. And so I, I, I just want to say thank you for everything. And just it was great being away um, and having just good men preaching, people competent doing ministry, that, that things still get done. And I want to just say thank you to everyone. So, But hey, we are in the book of James and we are starting a new study through the book of James. And uh, this is going to take us, it should take us up, to, and I say should, um, up to uh, e uh, Easter, <laughs> Christmas. But... Um, as Dusty has always found out that I tell him that even though my preaching calendar is set, it is not set in stone. And um, even though I have the broad strokes of this uh, study through the book of uh, James, uh, each week God can change it. And so um, it should take us up to, to Christmas. And um, if, if God wants to change some things, it could go longer. But at least till Christmas, we're going to be in the book of James. And... Um, Today is really more of just an intro to the book of James. I'm not diving into deep into any in, into the text yet. I'm going to give you an intro, an overview, uh, because I think this is important to give this intro to set this study up. Okay, and so today we are really looking at verse one. Okay, now you're thinking, man, verse one. This will be Easter before we get through this thing. So, because um, you're thinking, how in the world is he preaching a, a message in verse 1? Okay, so I'm going to show you how. Let me read it. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, greetings. 
That's our message for today, okay? So let me begin. Here's where we're going, okay? Here's the intro, and here's why I want to introduce this thing. First, he says, James. James who? Who is James, all right? Because all we know about this James is that he was a servant of God and of Jesus. Outside of that, we have no idea who this James is. So wouldn't it be a good idea to maybe figure out because how many of you know, we just don't want to buzz through a verse, okay? Um, we, that's, that's, that's what good Bible study is about. Is if you see something, you should go, always ask a question of like, who is James? Who is this guy? Where did he come from? Well, that's what I want to show you here. Because if you notice the, the title of today's message, I said, um, introducing James, the half-brother of Jesus, that is who I want to show you is probably the writer of the book of James, okay? And here's why I, I want to say, and a lot of the commentaries agree, that uh, James' half-brother um, is the writer, is the author of James. The, the New Testament actually gives us four people with the name James, okay? And any of these four could be uh, the, the author of James, and so I want to show you why, why, why it's pretty much believed that James's brother wrote this, okay? So let's look at who are these four Jameses listed in the Bible, in the New Testament. Well, the first verse we're looking at is going to come from the book of Luke. And the book of Luke actually gives us three of the Jameses listed in the New Testament. So in Luke chapter 6... It says, in these days, he, meaning Jesus, went out to a mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12 whom he named apostles. He said, and here, here's their names. Simon, who he named Peter. Andrew, his brother. James and John and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Three Jameses listed right there in that text, okay? Three of the four listed, boom, right there. So let's break these three down of who these men are, and why these three are not considered to be the author of the book of James. First, you notice it says James, the brother of John, okay? James and John were right after um, Peter and Andrew were called by Jesus in Matthew and Mark, you have James and John being called by Jesus. James and John were brothers, and, and they were the sons of Zebedee. They were, Jesus would call these two men the, 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 the sons of thunder. And um, they were fishermen. And after Jesus calls um, Peter and Andrew, it says that he again was walking by the Sea of Galilee, sees James and John. He says, follow me. And so these two, they left their nets, left their father, and they began to follow Jesus. Now, this James, along with his brother John, were part of not the musical group, but the three-part harmony of Peter, James, and John. 
who got to have special privileges with Jesus. This is the James that we're probably more familiar with, okay? And so when you see Jesus with the 12, there were times where he'd break away and he'd spend time with Peter, James, and John. And so this James is very familiar to us. This James we see mentioned quite a bit in in the four Gospels. So a question I want to ask you is, how many of you think or maybe even have thought that this James, the brother of John, the Peter, James, and John, would be the author of James? How many of you think? I would, I have for a while thought, well, this is probably the Apostle James writing the book of James. But here's the problem with this James not being the author. Acts chapter 12 tells us that this James of Peter, James, and John was killed by Herod. Okay? And the problem with that is that he was killed before James was written. So um, we have to take James of Peter, James, and John out of the picture. He, can't, he couldn't have written it. So we got to move on to the next James. The James, who is an apostle here, the son of Alphaeus. All right? Now here's the thing about James, the son of Alphaeus. Outside of every time you see the 12 disciples mentioned whether it's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, or in the book of Acts, chapter 1, when they're in the upper room, you see James, the son of Alphaeus, mentioned. But outside of that, nowhere else in Scripture do you read about James, the son of Alphaeus. So he's very obscure. We know nothing about him. We have no idea what he did outside of being just part of the group. Okay? So because of his obscurity... Because we don't know anything else about him, because we don't see him in scripture anymore, the idea of him probably writing the book of James is minuscule. Impossible? No. But probable? Probably not. So most Bible scholars take James, the son of Alphaeus, off the table also. But then you have a third James listed in the book of Luke, James, the father of Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but of, actually, if you even go into other, the other times, he's also in, um, um, called Thaddeus, all right? So um, you have this James, the father of an apostle. Again, not mentioned anywhere else in scripture. Some guy we never hear about again. But he was just a father. He was just the dad of an apostle. So it's not like, you know, he would have been like, oh, you're the dad of an apostle. You get to pray. Again, Bible scholars think it's not probable that he wrote the book of James. So you have three of the four off the table, which leaves us with one other guy, the brother of Jesus. Now let's look at, at where we get this idea that James is the brother of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 13, this is where Jesus goes back to his hometown. And he's in his hometown now as an adult. He's no longer this little kid. And he's now saying some things. He's doing some things where the town people are going, dude, you're weird. You know, I, I, I sat and thought, I grew up here in Woodhall. Went to high school here in Woodhall. Born and raised, Whatever. And I went away for the military. I was gone for about seven years and I came back. 
all right? Now, I sat and wondered about that. I sat and thought, I'm like, I wonder what people would have really thought of me if I came back and was just like, out there, walking around town saying some weird, funky stuff, man, saying, oh, by the way, I'm the son of God. I think people would be like, whoa, that Jim Shannon, he's, he's lost it. Jesus goes back home and he's saying, hey, I'm the son of God. And he's like healing people. And the people in his hometown are like freaking out. Well, here's the thing. Not only were the people in the town freaking out, but in Matthew chapter 13, it gives us his family. In Matthew chapter 13, it says, where did this man get the, this wisdom and these mighty acts? So the people are, are, are bewildered. They're like, how is this guy doing this stuff? How, how is he so wise? He says, this is not the carpenter's son, meaning Joseph. It's not his mother called Mary and are not his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. And are not all these his sisters? So you see, James is the brother of Jesus, but he's a half-brother. All right, who would like to take a Bible quiz? Any volunteers? Paul's like, I'm volunteer. Outside of Paul, any other volunteers, anybody? All right, I'm gonna put her on the spot. Why was Jesus, um, why was James's Jesus his half-brother? Bingo. There you go. You see, she's so wise because she's married to me. It rubs off on her. It just like rubs off. Jesus was half-brother and James was half-brother because Joseph wasn't Jesus' biological father. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So after Jesus... Joseph and Mary started having other children and they became the full children of Mary and Joseph. And James is the oldest of the, of the four boys and we don't know how many sisters he had. But he's the oldest and he is the oldest sibling, the half sibling of Jesus. All right. Now in this verse here in Matthew where it just says, is this not James, Joseph? And it doesn't tell us that James wrote the book of James. It doesn't give us any more information. So I need to unpack this a little more. And I need to um, show you, I need to set this up to show you why James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote the book of James. Can I do that? All right. Be patient with me. Here we go. Let me set this up and show you why Jesus, or James, is the writer, the author of, J of James. So like I said, Jesus goes back to his hometown. He's saying things, doing things, and the people are thinking he's out of his mind, thinking he's really lost it, okay? They're bewildered by him. They're, they're, they're like, how can he be doing this? Well, here's the thing. In Mark chapter 3, verse 20, it says this. Then he went home. And the crowd gathered again so they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him for they were saying, he's out of his mind. Okay, so again, picture me here in Woodhall coming home after the Navy and everything. And I'm going through the streets saying things and my family's going, oh my gosh, he's out of his mind. And they come and seize me. They're like, dude, we're going to take you home. 
we're, we're going to stick you in the house and you're not getting, that's what his family's doing. They're like, he is so out there, we've got to go get him because he's embarrassing us. Okay, I mean, as a family, you don't want your, anybody in your family embarrassing you. So they're going to tuck him away. In the book of John, chapter 7, now his brothers are, are kind of egging him on. Okay, they're, they're, they're like, you know what, you're, you're out there. We're going to egg you on a little bit. And it says this in John chapter 7. Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. So his brothers said to him, okay, those of you who, you know, you, you ever grew up in a family where you have um, brothers or sisters that just want to keep um, pulling the wool over on your eyes, keep trying to egg you to do something, keep trying to just like, just, I want to just embarrass you, man. And so this is what's going on here. And so his brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea that your disciples also may see your works that you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. So they're like egging him on. Dude, if you really are who you say you are, which you're not, why don't you go out in the public? Come on, man. Why don't you go out? Hey, we got our festival going on. Go show yourself. His brothers are egging him on. They're just hoping he would go and, and embarrass himself. And it goes on and he says, they go, if you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. His brothers, James and Joseph, they're like, dude, we don't believe you. So you have James, his half-brother, not believing in him. But, everybody say but. That will change. That changes after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, he says this. He says, I delivered to you as first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And he appeared to Peter, then to the twelve. The twelve meaning the twelve apostles. Now remember, James of Peter, James and John would have been in there. And James, the son of Alphaeus, would have been included in there. So Jesus appears to the twelve. So James of Peter, James and John sees Jesus. And James, the son of Alphaeus, sees Jesus. And then Paul goes on. He says, and then he appeared to 500 brothers at one time. Then he appeared to James. He appears to everybody else. And then he goes to his bro. He's like, you thought I was crazy, didn't you? You didn't believe in me. Man, I, I remember when you were egging me on, trying to embarrass myself. But... Look at me. You saw me die. You saw what I went through. Now I'm talking to you. You see, there's no way when Jesus is speaking to his brother face to face after dying and now raising from the dead. Do you think James is walking away going, nah, don't believe it. Or do you think Jesus or James at that moment is having a come to Jesus moment? 
You see, it's at that moment that James, his life is changed. After he sees the, his brother die and now resurrected from the he can't deny it. There's nothing he can do. He cannot walk away going, I don't believe it. James walks away from that resurrection moment different. This is his come to Jesus. This is his salvation moment. This is now where he comes to believe, Jesus, you are who you said you are. You are the son of God. You are the Lord. You are. Because there's no way you should be standing in front of me. James, from that moment on, his life changed. And Paul continues to write about this. And in Galatians chapter 1, after Paul's conversion, Paul like goes away for a while and, and he's learning and he's growing. And, and he writes how he doesn't even go to the apostles at first. But then he comes to a moment where he's decided, I've got to go see the apostles. And in Galatians chapter 1, Paul writes, he says, After three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Peter. And I remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. James went from, you're nuts, to now being an apostle. He goes from not believing in Jesus to believing in Jesus to being a leader for Jesus. Okay? He's now an apostle. He's now, James is now with Peter. He's now with the other, other, the other apostles. And Paul's like, I saw Peter. I didn't see any of the other apostles, but I saw James. And then in Galatians chapter 2, Paul writes, When James, Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, and that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. So what Peter, what Paul is saying here is like, he's like, now I went to Peter, James, and John, and, and they were the pillars. They seemed to be the, the main leaders of, of the apostles. And, and, and they looked at me and Barnabas and said, here's what you're going to do. You guys go to the uncircum, go to the Gentiles, go to the un-Jewish people. We'll continue to minister to the Jewish people. Now you notice it says Peter, James, and John. Now maybe you're thinking, but Jim, you said it's Jesus' brother, but we have Peter, James, and John again. How is that not James from Peter, James, and John before? Because when you read the book of Acts... You're going to read that James, of the initial Peter, James, and John, was killed before Paul and Barnabas' ministry started. You see, Paul is saying, our ministry is now starting. We're going out, me and Barnabas. But James, of the former Peter, James, and John, was already killed. So guess who they replaced him with? The new James. Because we're like, we got to have our group. We got to have the trio. So James, brother of, of Jesus, come on in. Now we have Peter, James, and John again. You see, James, the brother of Jesus, goes from unbeliever to believer to leader to apostle to pillar. He is a pillar of the church. In fact, in the book of Acts, even in chapter 15, 
He's like, James is like the leader of this conference that's going on. There's been some arguing about who should be circumcised, who shouldn't be uncircumcised, all this stuff. And it says that, that James was actually the one going, no, time out. All right, he was the main voice. So when you look at all the Jameses, all four Jameses, we realize that James, Peter, James, and John was killed. He's off the, the table. James, the son of Alphaeus, he's off the table. James, the father of Judas, is off the table. But you have James, the half-brother of Jesus, his life transformed, making an impact in the church, a leader in the church, makes all the sense that he's the one who wrote this. Okay? So we can step back and see how James was written. 99.5% certainty and probability he is the writer of this book. Okay? So that is the introducing of James. So now I want to move from talking about James the person to now giving a quick overview of where we're going to be going of James the letter. Okay? My last week of vacation was not sitting around at home and floating in the pool or just watching television with my feet kicked up and let Paula go to work. That was not my last week of vacation. Our second week of vacation, we were in Alexandria, Virginia with our kids and it was 155 degrees out there. Every single day, man. But I hear, I hear here was rainy and in the 70s. Well, when we decided to come home, guess what followed us? 155 degree weather because it was hotter than 80s here. And it was like 90, 95, feeling like 108. So guess what I decided? I, you know what I'm going to do during this week of hot, hot, hot weather? I'm going to put a new roof on my garage. This summer has been the summer of, of, of Jim and Paula Shannon's um, garage transformation. And I have put off as long as I could the roof. When I was up on that roof, I tore the old one off and I put the new one on. And I was up there from six in the morning until Paula would get home from, that, from work and my body hurt, my feet hurt. I bet I sweat. I bet I drank four gallons of water every day and probably sweated out eight. And, and my clothes were just, I mean, I, I remember one day I was trying to still just wipe sweat off my face and I took my shirt and I let it go and, and sweat just poured, like just jumped off my shirt. And I, I tried to wash them after a couple days, literally after about three days of washing these same, I'm like, you know what? I'm throwing them away because there's no way this stench is coming out of this thing. So I just was like, I would just like... And that, but while on the roof, even though my body was screaming of, of just hurting and, and I was hot, my mind was thinking about James. So I'm up there ripping a the roof off and I'm sitting there putting the roof and I'm thinking about James, where I'm going. And then it hit me. James is a lot like roofing. And I'm hoping right about now you're like, Jim, that hot temperature really affected your brain in a way because how in the world is James like roofing I'm going to give you three ways how James how this study of James and the book of James is a lot like roofing here's the first one James 
is going to say things that is hard. We're going to study things. You're going to read things that just is hard. Here's the thing about roofing. I don't care how you paint it. I don't care how you try to flower it. I don't care how you... Roofing is hard. How many of you ever put on a new roof? Anybody? How many of you with your hands up think, nope, that was pretty easy. Nobody thinks roofing is easy, okay? Roofing is hard, okay? And your body hurts. It just takes everything out of you. I told Paul, I go, man, and our, our garage roof is, is, I mean, like that. It's, it's pretty simple as far as pitch. And, and it's only two sides, so it's not like there's valleys and stuff like It's pretty simple. But I told Paul, I go, man, I go, roofing this garage has given me two great appreciations. One, I appreciate people who have to do this for a living every single day. And the second appreciation is I don't have to do it. <laughs> because, man, it took everything out. It was hard. Roofing is hard. The book of James is going to be hard. And the thing is, we live in a time where there's a lot of pastors preaching and writing books that want to make this Christian life we are living almost like we are just tiptoeing through the tulips. They want to paint a picture of Christianity and, 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 and following God's word that, man, it's nothing but, you know, good things and happy things. And listen, the book of James, along with being a Christian, literally is hard. Because even if you look at James chapter 1 there, now we're past just James. Look what James says about himself. He says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. That word servant, some of you may have a, a version that says bondservant. The idea of being a bondservant means literally to be a slave. And... and during the time the book of James would have been written was actually under the rule of Roman Empire, okay? So the, the Roman Empire was in place. And whenever the Romans would, would conquer another nation, another country, guess what happened to all the people in that country if they weren't dead? They became slaves. It's, it's estimated that one out of every two people in the Roman Empire was a slave, okay? Slave to a Roman household, and the slavery in the Roman Empire was, um, that's where you get the, the term bondservant. Because you, you, you were bonded to your, your, your family. You were bonded to whoever you, you were forced. It wasn't like they asked you, hey, would you like to be a slave for me? Yes or no? No, you were forced into slavery, okay? And you were bound to that family until you could earn your freedom, all right? And, and there was no, and it, it, it was different for every family how, how long you remained a slave. And so slavery in, under the Roman Empire was vast. And when James writes this, the people he was writing to would have known exactly what he was saying. When he talks about being a bondservant, he, they, oh, I get that. I know what he's talking about. But here's the thing. When James refers himself as a bondservant, he's not talking about that God has forced him to be a slave. He's not saying that he's been forced by Jesus to be a slave. He is saying, I have voluntarily put myself in this position. I have voluntarily come under the leadership and the lordship of Jesus. 
He is my master. I am his slave. And here's why. James is understood. When he had his come to moment Jesus, seeing Jesus face to face, he understood one thing. I've been bought with a price. He understood that he had been redeemed from his sin. He understood what Jesus did for him. And so in his mind, he's like, I see what Jesus did for me. How can I not put myself under him? And so when he refers to himself as a bondservant, as a slave to God, as the slave to the Lord Jesus, he's like, everything that I am, everything I have is for him, is under him. It's in his will, not mine. And so he lived his life in a way where he's like, all that I am, all that I have, here it is, God, it's yours. You want to know something? You and I as a believer in Jesus Christ need to have the same attitude. Because guess what? Not only did he redeem James, but if you know Jesus Christ as your savior, you have been redeemed. Jesus paid the price for every person to be able to come to faith in him. He died for every person to ever who has ever lived, past, present, future, to give this opportunity for people to come to know saving faith. Every person's been bought with a price. And when you freely choose Christ through faith, understanding there's nothing that I can do. I can't earn this thing. I can't do enough to be saved. And you just by faith receive Jesus as Savior. You understand what you have. And so guess what the attitude of our hearts need to be? The attitude of our thinking, I am a bondservant to Christ. I voluntarily place myself under the lordship of Christ. Anybody other than me think that's hard? Because um, anybody other than me just, you're selfish. Your flesh wants to just rise up and go, nah, I'm pretty good with salvation. But the lordship thing, I don't know about that. Because the money thing, that's my money. I work for that. Those are my kids. That's my house. That's my job. Everything. What do we do? The things in our life, that's mine. But you see, when we understand what the lordship of Christ is about, when we understand what it means to be a bondservant, we understand this. It's not mine. It's God's on loan to me. I'm the caretaker of my kids. I'm the caretaker of my spouse. I'm just a caretaker of the house I live in, of the money I have, of the job I have. I'm just a caretaker because at any moment, God can say what? Give me back my breath. The breath in your lungs, you're just, it's God's. The, the illusion that you and I have anything and own anything, is the, it's just an illusion that the enemy likes to show us. So this attitude of being a bondservant, a slave, it's hard. It's very hard. But look at what the next thing he says. He goes on, he says, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. The 12 tribes he's talking about are the tribes of Israel. So he's writing to Jewish Christians. All right. And when he talks about the dispersion, some of you may have a version that says, who have been scattered abroad. And what he's talking about is that there are Jewish people who were Jews who converted to Christianity who are now being persecuted. And they were in Jerusalem 
And in Israel, that the persecution was so bad, guess what they did? They left. Imagine you living here in Woodhall or Alpha, Oneida, Watauga, Gelsberg, wherever you live. You're being persecuted so bad because of your faith, you only have one option. And guess what that option is? To leave. You abandon everything. You abandon your home. You abandon your job. You abandon your family. You leave it all because you, you're being persecuted. Because the reality is if you don't leave, you're going to end up in jail. You're going to lose your job. You'll lose your family. You'll lose your life. Those are your options. So you have these Jewish Christians packing as much as they can and leaving. And Peter, or I mean James, is writing to someone probably a particular church. And he's writing to these people who are in the dispersion, who have been scattered, who are being persecuted. But if you look at verse 2, I'm not going to dive into verse 2, but I just want to show you why this is hard. So they're being, they've been dispersed and they've been scattered. They're being persecuted. And he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials. Let's just stop right there. I don't... If that was the only line in the, in the whole book of James, anybody other than me think that's hard? Count it all joy when you're being persecuted. Count it all joy when you're going through trials. Count it all joy when you're suffering. Are you kidding me? What do you mean count it all? That's hard. It's not easy. And the thing is, as we progress through the book, there's going to be a lot of other hard things. He talks about overcoming temptation. Anybody under me think that's hard? He's going to talk about overcoming and taming your tongue. Three out of three, man. I'm done. So, enjoy suffering, my tongue, and temptation. But he's not going to be done. He's like, oh, by the way, um, be a doer of the word. Just don't hear it. Do what it says. Let your walk and your talk line up. I mean, he is going to hit some major things. And it's going to be, everybody say hard. hard. It's going to be hard. In fact, there's 108 verses in the book of James. 54 of them, half of them, are commands. James isn't given a lot of suggestions. It's going to cut through um, everything. It's going to be hard. But I want to prepare you for that. You see, it's like roofing. It's going to be hard. But here's the second thing about how James is like roofing. There's going to be things that James say that are revealing. Not only is it going to be hard, but it's going to be revealing. When I tore off my old roof, it revealed a few things. It revealed that there were two layers of shingles, so that makes it even harder. But it also revealed um, I had to replace three sheets of plywood, which means um, the underlayment, the, 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 the plywood that was on there, there was one piece that I leaned down on, my hand went through it. That's how rotted it was. There was one piece that actually just had a hole in it already. And I'm like, that's not that big of a hole. I bet I could cover that up. How many of you know you can't do that? You got to replace the whole thing. So I had to replace those three sheets of plywood. Then as I was putting the new shingles on, I'm coming up on one side. I remember Paula looked at the, 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 the peak, and she's like, does that peak look like it's separating? And I'm looking at him like, that doesn't look good. Why would that be doing that? Well, I get up around the roof, and I had to replace one little piece of plywood right at the peak. 
and I bend down and I put my weight down on, on so if you're looking at the peak on the left-hand side, and the peak moved. I'm like, and I'm like, oh my gosh, whoever built the garage just put the plywood on it and nailed the plywood thinking that will hold it. They didn't nail the peak together. And so I'm like, 25 nails, wah, wah. And I'm like, and then it came together. And Paul was like, oh, look at that, it's back together. <laughs> you find a lot when you rip a roof off. It revealed a lot of problems. It revealed a lot of structural errors. It revealed a lot of issues. Can I tell you what the book of James is going to do? It's going to reveal. It's going to cut past the surface of you and I. It's going to cut to the heart. It's going to get down to one real main issue. Spiritual maturity. Because there's a lot of people sitting in churches. There's a lot of people who say, I'm a Christian, but there's no spiritual maturity. James is going to cut through the heart of issues, and he's going to ask you one question. Does what you confess and what you do line up? Are they in tune with one another? Because there's a lot of people who profess to be a Christian, but walk like an unchristian. Talk like an unchristian. And so, is unchristian a word? Let's go non-Christian. Unbeliever. Let's try that. All right? So, so James is going to just cut right to that. Get ready. The book of James is going to reveal things in your life. And it's going to reveal things in your heart. And guess what it's going to be? Hard. Okay? It's going to be hard. It's going to be revealing. And then lastly, here's the third thing about the book of James. Things that James says are serious. It's going to be serious. The thing about roofing is this. You have your shingles and then you have a ridge cap. The moment you rip that ridge cap off, you're all in. The moment you start ripping a roof off, there is no willy-nilly just like, hey, you know what, I'm going to take a week off now. I, I, you know what, I don't think it's that important that I complete the project. No, no, no. Because once you start ripping a roof off, even if it's halfway ripped off and it rains, you've got a bigger problem on your hand. So once you start ripping a roof off, you've got to get serious about getting the job done. You got to get it ripped off. You got to get the tar paper laid on. You got to get those new shingles on because at any moment, even though the, the weather says, oh, it's going to be so nice for some reason, just like after you wash your car, it rains, okay? And so it, it did that for me. I mean, I had the roof like stripped off and, and I, I had no tar paper on it or nothing. And I told Paul, I got to run to Galesburg. I got to get another sheet of plywood or something like that. And uh, it started to rain. And I'm like, I'm like in Woodhall and I'm looking at the clouds. I'm like, and so I had like this huge tarp that I was going to pull. But by the time I got home, it had already opened up and I looked in the garage and it was just soaked inside. <laughs> But you see why you got to take it serious? You can't, you can't dilly around when you tear a roof off. James is going to be serious. And so guess what? So when, when we start to do this study and we start diving in it, it's going to be hard. It's going to be revealing. But when it starts to reveal things in our heart, if we get serious about this, okay, you, you, you're all in, man. You're like, because I'm telling you, there will be some Sundays, some of these messages for some of you, 
It's not going to, it's not going to, it'll, it'll speak to you, but it's not going to convict. But there'll be other things that man, as soon as you start hearing it, the word is going to hit so hard, you're going to want to get up and walk out. You're not going to want to stay in the study any longer. You're not going to, man, that's, that's just too hard. It's like, it's like when Jesus was teaching in John chapter 6, it says, this is hard teaching. Who can listen to it? Listen, the book of James will be like that. And it's going to cut. But here's the thing. If you and I take it seriously and you allow the work to be done, just like a roof, you rip it off, you put tar paper on it, and you start with one shingle at a time one row at a time, and you start going up to that peak, and then you put the ridge cap on, and I'll never forget that day when I put that last ridge cap on, put four nails in it, four pieces of tar, and I stood up, and I went, done. And I walked down, back up, and I went, that looks pretty good. It was a new roof. It wasn't the same. The book of James has the power to change us, to transform us if we get serious about it. That over the next couple months, maybe there's something in the book of James that maybe it's, you've been dealing with. Maybe, maybe it's trials. Maybe it's your tongue. Maybe it's temptation. Whatever it could be. But hopefully when we're done with this, we're stepping back. And we're like, I'm not the same. I'm different. We're not going to be perfect but maybe we can be different, transformed, shaped a little bit, and be able to step back and go, you know what, man, I was that old roof at one time, and man, God's ripped some stuff down, and he's revealed some things to me, but boy, look at me now. Not perfect, but man, I'm like a new roof, and I'm ready to go. Amen? Hey, why don't we all stand? Let's close in a word of prayer. Let me pray as we get ready to dive into this study starting next week. I want to pray that, that all of us, whether we're here online, that this will be a study. It's a simple book. It's, it's, five, it's a short book, only five chapters. But I, I pray that it will be a life-changing book and that um, we, all, we all can grow a little bit during this thing. So why don't we pray? And we'll close our service with, with just a closing worship song. Father, we uh, just thank you. Father, thank you for your word. And it is truth. And Father, the reality is there will be times where truth is not easy to hear. And Lord, this uh, study, of he, uh, study of James, it's, it's going to be hard at times. But Lord, we pray that we would step into this. That we could be a family and and see the importance of the study of James and that, Lord, it would reveal and it would change and we could all um, identify places that, that, God, I need work here. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll bless the study over the next several weeks and I pray that you would cause us all to want to be here. Bring us people who need to hear this message in these, this uh, book, Lord, whether it's here in person or online, but, God, I just pray that you would just attract people to hear your word and the truth of it and so god we thank you for what you're doing and the work in our lives and we just give you the praise and the glory lord and it's in christ's name i do pray amen